Welcome to Step Into the Story, incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible. Welcome to Step Into the Story. Each time we get together, I get the privilege of sitting down with a guest and um, just really opening up his or her life together and exploring the intersection of their story and God's story. How did God intervene in that person's life? Uh, how did they meet him as savior? How has he used his word in, in their life since then? And again, it's not primarily to master another bio of another person, but these stories encourage us that this is how God pursues us. This is how God wants to connect with us and he invites us to step into his story. So uh, today's guest, Paul Chitwood, I think is, is gonna be just kind of the poster child for how God loves to come after people. And Paul, welcome to Step Into the Story. Well, thank you, Phil. It's a pleasure to be with you today and, and with your guests, your listeners. Uh, I'm grateful for your ministry and grateful for the chance to connect. Well, this is uh, this is going to be a fun one. I don't know. Are are you related to Jimmy Chitwood? <laughs> well, uh, there, there's a, a family tree uh, that's not too large in and uh, uh, Chitwood land. Uh, but if you're talking about the Jimmy who was on the the Hoosers uh, yeah. movie, uh, I, I, I don't know that to be the case. I often get asked, however, if I'm related to Joey Chitwood. If my wife is standing anywhere near, she says, well, uh, he certainly drives like him. Uh, but those who, who, who know the old uh, uh, trick car driver, stunt car driver, uh, Joey Chitwood, uh, would, would appreciate uh, there is a family connection there. But it's quite distant. Okay. Well, if I didn't ask you about that, my children would mock me. Of course, they're going to mock me anyway. Um, I am a total sucker for a sports underdog movie and, you know, movies like Rudy and especially Hoosiers, where Jimmy Chitwood makes the final shot at the buzzer. And I think that's probably not even his real name. So it'd be difficult for you to be related to a fictional character anyway. But um, my, I can already hear the rattling of my kids' eyes when they listen to this podcast and go, figures dad would find a way to get Hoosiers in to step into the story. Well, um, you are currently serving as the president of the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist. Um, Southern Baptist, the largest Protestant denomination in the U.S. And International Mission Board, of course, is just what it says, focuses on missions outside the, the United States, around the world. Um, how many IMB missionaries are deployed right now, Paul? Do you have a, at least a close number for that? Yeah, we currently have 3,635 uh, IMB missionaries uh, who uh, are assigned globally. And uh, there's about 2,700 kids uh, who go along with those 3,635 missionaries. Many of our missionaries go out as families. We have a lot of singles on the field as well. But uh, the IMB family is a, is a big family reaching literally to the ends of the earth, probably 150-ish countries right now. Uh, that's I knew it was a big number. I did not know it was it was that many. That's that's tremendous. And you've been in that role, I think, since 2018. Is that correct? 
Yeah, just past my third anniversary in the role. Oh, well, great, great. Uh, I know so many people. There was just open recognition of, yes, we think God has been preparing Paul for this role for a long, long time. And I, I want to, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but want to go back um, to how does how does God nurture somebody um, to prepare him or her to serve with with that level and breadth of global impact and influence even more than impact. And give us, kind of sketch out for our listeners, if you would, um, your early growing up years. I, I think I think you were born and raised in Tennessee. Is that correct? Yeah, right, right on the border over in the mountains. So there's a little mountain twang that comes with that southern accent uh, that'll probably be pretty easy to pick up on. Uh, but uh, my uh, uh, father's uh, family. His 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 father was a, a coal miner. Actually, started working in the deep mines at the age of twelve. His mother uh, worked in the shirt factory, and uh, it's kind of four mountain people. Uh, my father was uh, recruited out of high school uh, to work for Bell. He worked for the telephone company for forty five years, uh, and uh, my mother's family more educated. My uh, grandfather on her side of the family was a high school. A principal for many years, uh, my grandmother, a, a uh, guidance counselor. Uh, so we, uh, uh, I have two brothers and a sister, two full brothers, a half sister. And actually, uh, our story early on uh, was a story of, of, of brokenness as our uh, parents uh, divorced. Uh, Dad got custody, which was a very unusual thing in 1972. For, I guess, yeah. Uh, for the uh, father to get custody. Uh, of, uh, of, of three little boys. We were ages at the time, uh, four, two, and one. And Dad raised us from then on. Oh, my. I, I, you don't need to ask what he did in his spare time because he he had none. He had his hands full, didn't he? Uh, well, he really did. Gave, it, gave his life to it. How blessed uh, we were to have a man like him for a father, get, especially given the, the circumstances. Uh, yeah, he, he worked for a telephone company, had some uh, some overtime in there too. So it was actually his parents uh, who came to the rescue whenever we needed a rescue. Uh, our our, our uh, grandmother, and grandfather, uh, baby were the babysitters, uh, and uh, she, our, our grandmother really helped dad out around the house quite a bit when we were little. He remarried some years later, uh, but uh, just dedicated his life to raising us. Yeah, that's fantastic. One of those. One of those heroes that um, you know uh, get lost in a lot of accounts. Um, sounds like a like a humble man, but really, really committed to to you and your brothers, and and later your your half sister as well. That's that's so great. You know, it's easy to assume. Um, I mean, you have a reputation of being humble and. It's easy for outsiders looking in to go, oh, I'll, I'll bet that that's the great, 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 great grandson of, of Lottie Moon, you know, the, the patron saint of Southern Baptist missions or, or you know, certainly this, this godly heritage. Um, what, what was the role of uh, scripture or church or spiritual things? Um, we've already heard the, just the great way that your dad took on that responsibility. But, but um, 
what was what were things like spiritually in in your house when you were a little boy? You know, it's it's amazing how kind the Lord is to find us wherever we are, and uh, the Lord the Lord found us at a crucial point uh, in in the life of our family. Uh, it was a couple of a Baptist laymen who who showed up in the parking lot of of a little Baptist church in a little town in the mountains. And it was a weekday evening. Uh, they were there because it was church visitation night. Uh, they did what they came to do. They, they set out uh, walking through the little uh, neighborhoods of the town, knocking on doors, inviting people to church. And at some point, this would have been a, uh, in about 1974, but at some point on that particular evening, uh, they climbed a very steep hill and made it up to the next to last house on the road before the hill gets so steep there in the mountains you can't build houses anymore. And, mm-hmm. and they stepped up on the porch of a little rental property at 210 Province Street. And there they knocked on the door. A uh, young man in his late 20s came to the door. Uh, it, it was a small town. They may have known his circumstances that he was recently divorced. He was raising uh, three boys on his own. I, I don't know if they knew anything about him, really. Um, there's no way they could have known that that the future International Mission Board president was a four-year-old somewhere there in the house. Mm. Uh, but they did know their neighbors needed the Lord, and and uh, broken families uh, needed a good church, and 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 so knocked on the door. When Dad came to the door, they invited him to church. Uh, he took him up on the invitation and. That next Sunday, managed to get three little rowdy boys ready on his own somehow, took us to church. And uh, we found a church family there that welcomed us in and loved us. And it was such a turning point uh, for mm. for our family. Uh, the church, uh, looking back on it, uh, that little church that helped our family to heal and kind of helped raise us uh, and, and certainly shared faith with us. Uh, there was another knock on uh, the door of that little rental house a few years later. And it was our pastor, and he had come by Dad's invitation. My older brother had been asking questions about the gospel. What would it mean for him to give his life uh, to the Lord? And uh, their brother, Alan Herod, our pastor, uh, came in at Dad's uh, uh, beckoning and uh, sat in a green chair in the corner of our living room. My, my older brother sat in a chair that Dad had pulled out of the kitchen and, and put it right in front of uh, Pastor Allen mm. and my younger brother and I, we sat on the floor and listened as uh, Pastor Allen shared the gospel with my older brother. And, uh, Pastor Allen got three for one that night as, as the three of us gave our lives to the Lord. And we were baptized together uh, just a few weeks later in the little First Baptist Church of Jellicoe, Tennessee, uh, right there on the Tennessee-Kentucky line. And, and, and so the nurturing of that church family as we went to Sunday school and learned the Bible, uh, went to vacation Bible school, uh, participated in the children's ministries and the youth group. Uh, it marked our lives, uh, and uh, the Lord used that uh, to, uh, again, just to bring healing into our family and to bring salvation mm-hmm. uh, into our family. Uh, and you know, the Lord's uh, the Lord's word, the scriptures say, these words are life to you, and and we found that to be true when that word was shared with us. Uh, it, it brought eternal life and how incredibly grateful. You know, again, you look at that background of brokenness and, and uh, not many would suspect that, that the Lord would bring a, a kid up from a situation like that and give 
you know, now me the opportunity to serve and in the role I'm in. But again, it's just the Lord's kindness. Mm. So four years old when, when the first visit that, um, yes. led to y'all starting to go to church as a family, how, how old were you with that second visit when you trusted Christ as your savior? Yeah, I was an eight year old boy. Wow. I mean, do you have specific memories of that? Do you know, um, I mean, when the gospel clicked for you, I mean, you know, the color of the chair in the corner of the room, but do you know, um, you know, when it was communicated to you that, that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And, um, do you, I mean, were you carrying some guilt around even as a eight year old boy that you knew you needed forgiveness for? Yeah, it was no, no doubt. Uh, you know, I'd learned enough. And I guess those four years of being in church, Sunday school, hearing our pastor preach, I'd, 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 I'd learned enough to know that I was a sinner uh, and uh, there was a heaven and there was a hell. And I needed the Lord's forgiveness. I needed a Savior. Church, uh, those who taught God's Word uh, have been very clear. Of course, God's Word is clear on those things. And that exposure to the Word, uh, able to make you wise unto salvation, Paul said to Timothy, I said to Timothy, even for an eight-year-old boy, that can be true. And and they do have a definite memory. It was a big deal for a pastor to, to be in our home uh, and uh, have, uh, have a definite memory of, of uh, uh, walking forward at the invitation uh, in his in church to, to publicly declare uh, my faith. And, and I remember uh, being uh, standing in the, in the roving room uh, about to be baptized with my brothers. I remember the, the experience of being baptized. And so, you know, the Lord put a very clear uh, mark in each of those experiences uh, in, in my heart and soul. Oh, that's so great. I was I was 10 um, when I put my faith in Christ. And mm-hmm. I just, uh, I mean, I can remember the specific sins. It was at a Child Evangelism Fellowship Good News Club. And, you know, the gospel was clearly explained. We were not hearing it much at our church at the time, much if any. And um, I can, sure, I understand it better now at 63 than I did at 10. But there's just, I've done some dumb things through the years, but I've never doubted that that's when that eternal transaction of faith took place. And um, walk through the Bible, I don't know if you know this or not, but we've really, um, we've really begun emphasizing ministry to children around the world a lot more. And um, we believe God will allow us to teach about 1.3 million kids um, all over the world, either the walk through the Old Testament or New Testament, OT Live or NT Live, and probably wow. 90% plus of those are, are in public schools. And, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that simple gospel that there's so much skepticism about, about uh, kids coming to know Christ, and yet Jesus um, on more than one occasion says, hey, adults, You've got to approach this as a child with that kind of just open-eyed wonder, and um, you know I'm I'm just thrilled to hear um, that 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 early conversion, just how it's how it's stuck and how it's grown. 
Um, we've got a lot more to talk about. Um, we're going to take just a break now. I, I think we're going to hear a lot about the impact of God, God's Word and Paul's life. And um, that's why Walk Through the Bible exists. And Scripture, we believe the Bible changes everything. And I want to just invite you um, during this year to share an adventure with us. So listen to this, and uh, we'll be back in, in just a minute and continue the conversation with Paul Chitwood. Want to read through the Bible in one year with us? The Daily Walk Bible is designed to guide you through your daily reading of Scripture, taking you from Genesis to Revelation in the span of one year. Each day's reading includes several chapters of Scripture, an overview to give you a bird's eye view of the day's reading, an insight offering an interesting fact from the day's reading, and My Daily Walk, a short devotion to help you reflect on and apply a specific insight from the day's reading. Every seventh day offers a pause on the journey as you are invited to look back over the readings from the previous week, look up to God, and look ahead to the reading to come. This is the Bible reading plan that will get you through Leviticus. To find out more about the Daily Walk Bible and our other Daily Walk resources, go to walkthrough.org slash dailywalk. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G slash dailywalk. Read through the Bible with us in 2022. Well, welcome back. Um, when we left the story, uh, Paul, you and your brothers had just come to know Jesus as Savior. Um, God was uh, transforming um, a rough home. Um, been talking about your dad and how he just really stepped up and playing the role of both mom and dad. What a what a commitment that he had to you guys. Um, do you remember what what were you into? I don't think probably you know as a third or fourth grader you're going all right someday someday I want to lead a global missions organization. Um, what, what were you, what were your favorite subjects? What career dreams uh, were floating through your head when, when you were a young boy, even in the middle school? Um, do you remember what you, what you dreamed of being? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, you know, our, our family, of course, from the mountains. My dad is, uh, they love the outdoors and we were just out all the time. I guess it's how he kept us from breaking as many things in the house <laughs> with, with three three rowdy boys without a mother around. It, it could get rough in there. Uh, so he, he, he had us out. We were always uh, hunting and fishing. He had, uh, as, as things got better financially, he, he bought a little uh, piece of ground, went in with his with two of his brothers together. They bought a little piece of ground, kind of a hobby farm, and uh, where we'd raise a big garden. But we all always out. So that's what I love. And uh, and in school, what interested me most was was biology or anything I could connect to the outdoors. And mm. so I I thought, well, why not do what you love? And had had plans uh, even through uh, high school. And heading into college, uh, I want to do something in, in you know, wildlife, biology, or park systems, something, game board, anything that can get me out uh, out and keep me in the, in the outdoors. And so that was, that was what I had on my mind. Uh, but then the Lord revealed what he had uh, in his plans. 
and uh, there was a unique experience. I had been through a pretty traumatic automobile accident with both of my brothers and a best friend uh, who the four of us were in the car together. We were actually going fishing on a hot summer day in August of 1987. So I was about to start in my senior year of high school, and uh, we had a really bad car wreck and uh, almost lost everyone in the car. I was the only one that walked away. My mm-hmm. older brother's neck was broken and lots of injuries. My younger brother's spleen and diaphragm were both ruptured. He was airlifted out. Uh, my best friend also spleen ruptured. Uh, from the impact of, of, of the accident, he was airlifted out. And it was just, uh, I, again, was, a, was kind of the only one who was conscious, not in shock, and trying to tend to them. And, and I, I remember uh, as they were loading my younger brother on the helicopter, of course, it's just 14 months between uh, the two of us, and I I'd, I'd kind of helped raise him uh, throughout his life, and we just had a real, real uh, strong connection. Uh, I just remember you know, pleading with God for you know, spare his life. Uh, don't, don't, don't let him die on us. And, and uh, the Lord used that experience to really help me mature in my faith. Uh, as a teenage boy, I was still going to church and active, but had been uh, uh, into some things I shouldn't have been into and always making these bargains with God. Lord, forgive me. I'll, I'll live better tomorrow. I'll live better when I'm, when I'm a little older. I'll, I'll, I'll serve you more faithfully. If you keep me from getting caught just this exactly. one time, don't you, let you daddy hear about this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you probably prayed it. I prayed it way too many times. And then the, at that moment, I just came to this realization, you know, I, I don't have tomorrow to bargain on with God. Yeah. Uh, the Lord needs, uh, he's asking for all of me right now. And, uh, I was, I was again assured of my salvation already, uh, but but uh, I needed I needed a higher level of commitment, and I made that higher level of commitment. Got really involved in serving at church in our little church from then on, and, uh, but still wasn't thinking about ministry. And then there was a moment. It's interesting. Walked through the Bible and the power of God's word. Our pastor asked me in a revival service one night if I would read the scripture for. Uh, the visiting evangelists, I would read it aloud to the congregation before the evangelists preached. My greatest fear in life was to stand in front of a crowd, and I'd just go to pieces, but he, he was really pressuring me, turning the screws, and, and uh, <laughs> finally I, I agreed to it. Um, I, I stood and read, managed to, to get through it without my voice cracking up and, and just falling apart, and, and uh, I went back and sat in the pew. I could still take you to the pew I sat down in, and as the minister began to preach, the evangelist began to preach, the Lord the Lord spoke to me and said, what you just did, I want, I want that to be your life's work, that this is my calling on you. And mm. uh, you know, I love the way Adrian Rogers talked about it, 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 referencing God speaking to him. Someone once asked him, see, you, you say God spoke to you, you mean you hear the audible voice of God? And Dr. Rogers said, oh no, it's much louder than that. Oh, wow. <laughs> And that, wow. that was the experience for me and, and a Lord's call uh, on my life. And that, that kind of redirected me from, uh, from uh, being in the outdoors to, to uh, being uh, in ministry. I pastored 18 years and then got involved in mission work. Wow. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. You, you and I share a number of things in common. Um, uh, my brother also had a broken neck, which... Um, Thankfully, got some really good good treatment. He was a freshman in college and um, was 
you know, those chin up bars that go in a doorway. Um, they just yeah. kind of twist in there and he tried to do a skin the cat. And as he was pulling his legs through it, it just twisted the bar and he fell straight down and, um, oh really, really bad break. And, um, just, uh, it's, it's, it's a long story. And, but, um, the doctor who happened to be on call was a very gifted orthopedic surgeon. And, um, the decision was, was made rather than months and months of traction to take a couple donut holes out of his thigh bones. It's pretty, pretty innovative surgery at the time and go in through his, his throat, spread his vocal cords and, um, just put new vertebrae in there. And, uh, mm. That's the strongest part of his neck and body now. And that was a, you know, that was clear back in the, I guess about 1976, right around there, 76, 76, 77. And, um, we share a few other things in common, um, love for, for biology. Um, I was pursuing pre-med when the Lord just did the same thing with me, ignited passion in my heart for the scriptures and just a desire to, to share those. Um, but the third thing we share is just an off the charts fear of public speaking. And, um, I think God must just laugh, um, and go that, you know, not a problem. Um, I, I've just finished a new course. Um, we're actually videoing it soon and it'll go into a bunch of languages. It's on the life of Moses and it's called rescue leading yourself and others to freedom. And, um, you know, that was, that was Moses main hesitation. One of many objections that he had. Um, but I'm just, I'm just interested to know how did, how did God help you to overcome it or, or maybe not even overcome it, but say yes, in spite of it. Um, can you unpack that story for us some? Yeah, yeah, it was as the Lord uh, was working in my life up into those moments. I was, again, getting very involved in church. I was being called upon to do, you know, teach the youth group, do this and do that. But but my hesitancy was just this uh, paralyzing fear. And when I would try to speak, even reading <laughs> out loud in, 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 in literature class, I finally told uh, the teacher, I had an A in the course. I said, you, you can film me if you want. I'm not reading out loud anymore because I would do just these little panic attacks and lose my breath. It sounded like I was crying when I was trying to, uh, trying to, uh, speak aloud. Uh, and it, it was actually in that service where I was able to, uh, read the scripture, stand in front of the congregation and, maintain my composure. It was almost like a miraculous moment. In yeah. fact, a buddy of mine who I'd grown up with, and uh, he was my fishing buddy and hunting buddy, and we were in the same classes in school. And, and so he knew me very well. And he, 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 he knew about <laughs> what plagued me. And uh, when I came back and, and sat down in the pew, uh, he, was, he was there with me. And he turned to me, he said, how did that happen? <laughs> because yeah. he was expecting to see what he'd seen so many times before me just struggle and, and uh, uh, embarrass myself and, and get embarrassed. Uh, it, but it, at any rate, uh, moving forward from there, actually, uh, I was in college at the time, took a speech class uh, where I was forced uh, to uh, deliver those speeches and 
and uh, then getting more and more involved, teaching opportunities at church, just just gained uh, the Lord helped me through it and, and mm-hmm. gained a, a level of comfort. And now, you know, kind of like you, speaking as much of what I'm, uh, I, I do in, in ministry and life and, 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 and career, uh, but uh, I, it does help. Uh, one maintains some level of humility when you know uh, how uh, how uh, incapable you are of doing what the Lord now has empowered you to do, and just that gratitude to Him, thankfully, and a dependence on God. Yeah, you. There's a obviously a pattern in Scripture that um, rather than calling the qualified, God's. God's preference, it's just all through scripture, is that he qualifies those he's called. And, yes. you know, the the advantage of that is it's it's really hard to take that glory for yourself when you know this just is not me. There's nothing natural about this. And, uh, wow, that's uh, that just resonates so much with me, uh, and I think it probably does with a lot of us who are listening uh, you know, it was it was kind of during that time that uh, you you got to know Michelle, who has um, been your life partner for many years. Was it? Did you go to school together? Is that where you met? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so our, our grandparents lived in the same coal mining camp uh, and and knew each other very well. Uh, and uh, there's also a connection with with our parents. So. My mother and Michelle's father dated a little while during wow. high school. Now, when we introduce ourselves and we tell about our background, we're quick to say at this point, uh, now, we're not related. But we have known each other for a long time. I first met her in the fifth grade. Her, her father and mother uh, were living in Ohio. Uh, they, they were part of the hillbilly gang that you know went north to find work. Uh, and so they had been in Ohio. She had been raised as a little girl in, in Ohio. Uh, he lost his job. Uh, they moved back home to the hills of eastern Kentucky. She lived on the Kentucky side of our little town. I lived on the Tennessee side. But she showed up at our elementary school when, when she was in the fifth grade. And, and about the seventh grade, uh, I noticed her, and she noticed me. Uh, and then about the eighth grade, we started a little middle school courtship and uh, we've we've been together ever since we married uh after my first year of seminary and she'd just finished uh, her her college studies uh, and uh, we've now been married for about 28 years uh, but we've known each other our whole life spent our lives together so mm. very blessed to do that mm. that that's so great and um four children god has blessed you with is that correct yeah, yeah, that's right. We have, we have uh, two uh, older kids in their 20s, and then uh, we adopted uh, uh, two daughters uh, uh, some years apart. We have a 15-year-old daughter uh, and uh, a 9-year-old daughter. Uh, I, I think that's so great. I saw that in, the, in your bio, you know, a couple biological kids, a couple adopted kids. Um, you probably can articulate this way better than I could, but I just think that's so cool because, uh, you know, God uses both of those pictures to explain our salvation. You got the con- the conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus, and, you know, you need to be born again a second time, this time from above by the Spirit. And, 
you know, that the birth metaphor is such a powerful picture of our new life in Christ. And yet there's things that that doesn't capture. And so scripture also develops the adoption metaphor. And, and the beautiful part about that is there is no linkage there between the parents and, and the child. There's no, there's no biological connection. It's a choice to love on the part of the parents and then, you know, that then prompts the child prayerfully, hopefully, to respond in, in returning that love. And, you know, to think that God in his word thought both of those pictures are essential for a full understanding of, of our salvation, our new life, our relationship with him. And you get to see that in your, you know, whenever you gather around the table at, at your house. How, how, I mean, is that something that, that just turns light bulbs on, on for you? I just, I think that's just such a unique opportunity that you have. Well, it does, and, and such a powerful image uh, images uh, throughout Scripture, as you referenced in our salvation, and it was God's word that, that brought us uh, to to the point of, of of adopting. Our girls are such a blessing to us, but we had no plans of, of adopting. We uh, we had been on a, Michelle and I had been on a mission trip together in uh, Brazil, and uh, the Lord opened our eyes to the plight to, to some unique experiences there. Of, 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 of children and orphans, and uh, we came home for that trip, and and uh, really began to think through and pray through. You know, what's our responsibility here? What do we need to be doing? Uh, and uh, began to ask, you know, should should we be thinking about adopting? There's, you know, half a million kids in the foster care system here in the U.S. There are millions of orphans around the world, and I was I was traveling, uh, and had called home to check on Michelle and the kids, and uh, she was she was crying. And I picked up on that quickly. I could hear it in her voice, and I said, "Are you okay?" And she said, uh, "Yes." She said, "But uh, you know, we we've just been struggling with this adoption question." And and I finally I, I just took my Bible, I went out on the porch swing, and and said, "Lord, just tell us what you want us to do." Mm-hmm. And she said, I, "I just threw the Bible open." And it opened the book of James. And I said, no, no, you don't go to James when you have a question like that. About, no, never, about never. Anything, <laughs> you don't go to James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, she said, well, I, I didn't open it there on purpose, and I didn't know that verse was in there. And, of course, I knew what verse she was talking about at that moment. You know, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. Yep. And uh, it said, we care for the widow and the orphan. And the Lord just used his word just to speak such clarity to us on something we were, he'd already put on our hearts and we were kind of struggling to discern what we need to do. And, and so we immediately began the process. In fact, before I even got home, she filled out most of the paperwork uh, to start the process of, of adopting uh, our, our, our uh, daughter, who's she's actually Chinese. We adopted her from Northridge in uh, Chongqing, China. Uh, she was uh, abandoned at birth and, and, and uh, now she's 15 and such a, such a blessing. And then uh, our, our youngest daughter, we were actually foster parents uh, in, in Kentucky and adopted her through the Baptist Children's Home there as, as she was uh, in the foster care system. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. So, you know, you, you 
pastored for a number of years. You had roles in denominational leadership there in Kentucky, and then um, just now, just past three years in the leadership of the International Mission Board of, of Southern Baptists. Um, can you can you in not too many words and sentences just capture your vision for missions at this time uh, through the IMB and um, you know what's the what's the need around the world because it shifts through different times in history what's the what's the real need that you believe uh, the International Mission Board missionaries and and your contribution um, to that during your tenure of leadership there. What's your vision? Our vision we capture from God's Word. Uh, we appeal to Revelation 7, verse 9, mm. uh, where John is given a vision into heaven. He's able to appear in the heaven, not as it was in his day, nor in ours, but as it will Sunday be. Because John says, I looked and behold a great multitude, no one could number from every nation and all the tribes, peoples, and languages. Uh, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Uh, we, we know there are yet 3,000 unengaged and unreached people groups uh, around the world that aren't represented in heaven yet because the gospel hasn't made it to them. And so the, the vision for the IMB is that Revelation 7-9 vision where every nation is heard and all the tribes, peoples, and languages are at, at least represented by someone who has heard the gospel and been saved and will stand before the throne and before the Lamb. So that pushes us forward that there are more lost people alive in the world today than in any day that has gone before in human history. That's a, stag- that's a staggering statement right Think there. About it. Think about it. And, and even more staggering is this. More lost people will die today than any day that has gone before in human history. And so more people will enter hell today that any day has gone before in human history. So the compelling need for the IMB and for what it does and the way we serve churches as the church stewards the Great Commission uh, is, is, is strong. It's not, it's not lost on us. And that's what drives us forward as an organization to get the gospel. And there's so many things we do. We do orphan care. We, we, we plant churches. We have medical missions and refugees around the world. But what drives us is to get the gospel to every nation, all people's tribes and languages. Mm. Yeah, that's that's so great. That commitment to unengaged, unreached people groups is just something that has been so much on, on my heart. And there's been some opportunities for Walk Through the Bible to do some things together with International Mission Board. I Honestly, I think us meeting each other today in this conversation, um, I think there's a lot more things down the road that our two ministries ought to be doing together where it's not one plus one equals two, but just the, the synergism of, of that, you know, this is such a unique time in history, as you, as you say, with the birth rates, um, in some places, it's hard to, it's hard to picture that when you go to a church here in the U S church, but the, the growth of people and, and some places then where evangelism is working well, um, but, but then the need for training and the need for church planting. And it's just, it's, it's a vast, vast harvest field. Um, and then you look at, as, as you said, 3,000 people groups that they don't even have the option. There's no, there's no witness there for them to connect with yet. And, 
Um, you know, all the, the translation ministries, where's the scripture in those languages? Um, you know, how many, many, how many, many people groups don't have a single word of scripture yet in their language? The, these are crucial, crucial days. And the, the opportunities that we have with technology that never existed before. I mean, do you, do you believe that it's possible to finish this task? Absolutely. And not only do I believe it's possible, I think it definitely will happen uh, because God's word is true. And that, that's that's the value. That's the reason we're able to work together uh, with, with you and, and those who hold the calm, the high view of Scripture, uh, that this word is true. And God's word uh, clearly reveals that the task will be finished. So the question that comes to each generation and now the question for our generation is will we be faithful in stewarding our role, our part uh, in the Great Commission? Uh, and, and knowing that that the Great Commission will be accomplished, could it be accomplished in our generation? I believe it could be accomplished in mm. our generation, but we have to be all in. Mm. You know, the gospel came to us here. Um, probably most of the people listening to this right now are, are live in America, and it's it's easy to say, oh, this is America, we're the hub of things, we're the Jerusalem and Judea. But the truth of the matter is the gospel came here to us, and we were the uttermost part of the earth in some ways. You know, we were not, we were not in Europe. We were the, the sure. crazy colonists that had broken off. And, uh, you know, somebody crossed an ocean to make it possible, Paul, for you and, and me to come to know Christ. And somebody opened their home for me to attend that Good News Bible Club. And for you, somebody drove down that mountain road and, and you know, walked up on your porch and took the risk of being ridiculed and laughed away and rejected, but they brought you the opportunity. And, uh, you know, I, I know we both share the conviction that, that missions is not just the handful of the Navy SEALs of the Christian faith that go do something heroic far, far away. And especially especially in this age, God is literally bringing the whole world right to us with so much displacement. Paul, I just, I love what you're doing. I love the role that God has placed you in. But I, I love hearing the story of how God just sovereignly prepared you um, to serve him in this way. And uh, I guess just my final question today would be, I, I'd love, uh, before we conclude this conversation, to pray for you. Are, th are there one or two things, um, you know, again, people are like, oh, what a, what a great opportunity, what a glamorous role to serve in. Are, are there a couple of things on your heart um, that you'd like, you'd like me and our listeners to pray for you today? For me personally, uh, thank you for asking, and, and, and my prayer request would be for wisdom. Uh, it, there's a lot going on in the world today, as, as we all know, and uh, with pandemic, uh, with uh, geopolitical realities and just the shifting realities, uh, wars and rumors of wars, everything the Bible talks about, and, and, and as we uh, want to be effective at, at getting the gospel to those who haven't heard, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of moving people, so just that the Lord would give us wisdom, His wisdom, as we make decisions and and uh, as we lead, and then, uh, you know, our missionaries particularly, they, they've continued their work in the midst of a pandemic around the world, but they have 
Uh, it's been brutal in places, uh, especially for lockdowns. It's been very severe. They've been been through a lot. Uh, so just just a prayer for them that the Lord would encourage them today, and uh, that the Lord would give fruit to their ministry. They there's nothing to encourage them more than than to see another person saved. And, and so just uh, that the Lord would uh, would use them uh, to do what He sent them to do. Mm. Well, Father, that is what we ask for your help with today. That for um, the well over 3,000 IMB missionaries who are scattered around the world and for the, the churches, the pastors that they work with, and some of them in situations where there, there is not yet any fruit. I pray for your encouragement that they would not quit, that you would take them deep into your word themselves so that there's a confidence there that that what they share really does change lives and lord we pray too for their protection um, protection from covid protection from uh, as paul said the wars and the rumors of wars the the terrorism the kidnappings um, just all all the things that can curtail their ability to share the good news of jesus christ a simple gospel and, and lord i pray for much fruit and Lord, I do pray that every people group on the planet, that literally every person would have an opportunity um, to respond to the love of Jesus Christ. And pray specifically for Paul, too, that you would give him great wisdom. No doubt the opportunities and the needs, um, like, like every ministry, uh, they seem to be overwhelmingly greater than the resources that are available, whether that be people or whether that be finances. Lord, I pray that you would provide more of both, that you would move people toward generosity to support the International Mission Board, and you'd also raise up young people. We need gifted young people with who technology is a first language, not a third language, and can leverage the opportunities that exist in our generation. And Lord, that you would, even right now, you would be um, causing us to walk onto the porch of a neighbor or, or drive down a street right here. We just have no idea your plans for the boys and girls that we might have the privilege of, of sharing the simple gospel with. We have no idea where you may take them someday in the future. So Lord, use this conversation to encourage us to be bold, to trust you more, and um, just to be overwhelmed again with gratitude that somebody loved us enough to share with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Paul, thank you. This has been a great conversation. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the easiest way for them to contact you? They can find uh, us online or website, imb.org. If one's interested in, interested in going as a missionary, uh, the IMB still sending missionaries. If anyone's interested in supporting missionaries, you can learn there through our resources, uh, how to pray for missionaries, lost among the nations, how to give and support. Uh, and uh, we would we would love to hear from you. And listen, it's been a joy to be in the conversation with you today. So thank you for your ministry. Uh, and thanks for having me on. All right. Well, everybody, we'll see you next time we get together on Step Into the Story for another great conversation. Thank you for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast, powered by Walk Through the Bible. 
We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. Walk through the Bible. Take a walk. Change the world.